0: Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the Scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeople'sministry.com, or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box Two Five Six. Brooks, Georgia 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study.
1: Hello again everybody, this is Pastor Visser from beautiful Brooks, Georgia. Once again bringing you an in-depth study into Proverbs chapter 16. Indeed, this will be the conclusion of the series I started on Sunday. And so today's date is Wednesday, July 25th. It's Wednesday evening, and this evening I've chosen to tackle the rest of this chapter. And so, dear Kinsfolk, you might remember that we left off in the 16th verse of the 16th chapter, bringing us up to verse 17. So let's dive right in. It says this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. So in order to be part of that highway of the righteous, quote unquote, in order for you, as an Israelite man, woman, or child, to know that you are on the right path, dear friends, then it is up to you to depart from evil, quote unquote. But... This can be a catch-22, can it not? For out there within Judeo-Christianity, they won't even be able to tell you what is evil. In fact, if you ask them what is evil, what is sin, most oftentimes they'll respond with political correctness. They'll say it's evil not to support the war in Afghanistan. They'll say it's evil to not support same-sex marriage and so on. However, you and I, as Christian identists, already know coming out the gate that John defines what sin and or evil is. In the New Testament, it's found in his latter epistles right before the book of Revelation, and he straightforwardly says that all sin is a transgression of God's law. So, in order for you to stay on the proper path, to keep your feet within the way, for we've already established last Sunday that it is Yahweh God who establishes the steps of man, we may have the thought. Indeed, man can come along and say, well, this is what I want to do, but it is always, and I mean always, dear friends, Yahweh God who directs our paths. Whether it be James Holmes in Aurora, Colorado, shooting up a movie theater at the Batman premiere, or whether it be a righteous saint. Do you believe that? Well, we're covering it today from the words of wise King Solomon, and he straightforwardly says in 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. That's not necessarily to go along with every wind of doctrine. That doesn't mean that you're necessarily kind-hearted and affectionate towards everybody like the Judeo's want you to believe. But rather, departing from evil most oftentimes means to rebuke evil. It doesn't mean that you're out there engaging in the sins of the world. Rather, you're departing from it. Why? Verse 18, pride goes before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. Understand it. Let's read it again. Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. What's that saying, dear friends? It's straightforward. It's saying you must remain humble in order to be one of Yahweh's servants. So many of you may be saying, but Pastor Visser, how is it that we can depart from evil? How is it That pride goes before a fall. Well, dear kinsfolk, you've heard me preach on this time and time again. And it wasn't until about two years ago that I understood the true meaning of this verse. That is, pride goes before a fall. That, dear friends, is a key for you to understand. Not only in other people, but also within yourselves. That when you see somebody being lifted up, prideful and full of arrogance, thinking that they know everything, so much so that they can come along and attack every other Christian out there, you should already know they're falling. They're starting to fall, and they are about to be led to destruction. Not by us, not by any Israelite man, woman, or child, rather by Yahweh God himself. And thank God for that, dear friends. Remember that the meek it is who inherit the earth. If you are not meek, if you are not teachable, if you are not humble enough to be able to turn away wrath with a soft answer, then what good are you to the kingdom? Oh, indeed, it's the way of the Pharisee to come along to be lifted up in his spirit. He can become prideful, so prideful that he can go out and attack every other Christian identity pastor. Indeed, they'll come along and say, Pastor, this or this? They'll say, "Uh, Eli James is this and so forth. But, dear friends, it's up to you to have discernment. Do you recognize it for the pride that it is? Satan himself, his heart was lifted up in pride, according to the book of Ezekiel. Indeed, it says there that Yahweh God created Satan perfect in his ways, until iniquity was found within him. It was through pride that he lifted himself up, so that he was able to come along and say, I will be like the Most High. That in and of itself, dear friends, is the definition of pride. Meaning, those that are prideful take the position of the Most High, just as Satan did, and we see this within the land today. Now that's not to say that every person who has the blessed assurance given to him by Yahweh God is prideful, Rather, maybe they are simply resting within the promises of Yahweh God. But pride in and of itself is sinful, dear friend. It's not to say that we're not to show any pride whatsoever, for I've met people like that within my own life. They say, well, I have no pride, and I say, well, I'm not shocked by that. But it simply, truly is no difference between pridefulness and an haughty a haughty spirit. In haughty spirit is somebody who's lifted up so much so that they think they are something that they are not. That they can go along judging every single other person. And now when I use this term judging, I'm referencing the position of God, dear friends. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use discernment. In fact, we're commanded to discern within the spirits. And through discernment, you should be able to recognize who has a haughty spirit and who is prideful versus those who are meek and those who are teachable. Next verse, verse 19. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And I covered this last Sunday, is it not, dear friends? It's better to have the smaller portion as long as righteousness is there with it rather than to have great increase with ill-gotten gains. But this is not the way the natural man thinks. Oh, quite the contrary. Rather, the natural man says, he who dies with the most toys wins. He who makes the most money. He who succeeds most down here within Satan's kingdom is obviously the most successful. At least that's the human thought within men down here. And what happens is they start getting a haughty spirit when they believe this, when they accept this. They may join a job, for example, the police force, or even in a factory. And they may have good intentions entering into that job or that chosen career field. But when they accept the ideal that riches, worldly riches, more specifically ill-gotten gains, are more desirable than a meek and humble spirit... What usually happens is they get lifted up and they have a haughty spirit, which is pride in and of itself. Rather, they're the type of people who say, I won't go into that part of town. I won't go into that particular business. I won't go in there because that's where sinners are, dear friends. And make no mistake, the same exact attack was launched towards Jesus Christ. For as Jesus Christ walked, there were many Pharisees who were hypocrites and prideful in and of themselves who would come along and say, oh, but this man couldn't be the Son of God. This man couldn't be the Messiah. Why? Because he hangs out and associates with sinners and publicans. Of course, you know this story, dear kinsfolk. Jesus Christ retorts by saying, they that are whole have no need of a physician. Indeed, if you're so prideful that you think you know it all, if you're so prideful you can judge the law through judging your brother, then you have no need of Jesus Christ as per his own mouth, as per his own teachings. They that are whole, they who think they are not broken or of a contrite spirit, well, Jesus Christ was not for them. Jesus Christ simply cannot reach them. So understand it's better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly, with the poor, with the meek, than to defy the spoil with the proud. Those who are prideful, those who say, hey, let's step on the peons as we climb that corporate ladder of success. Hey, let's do all we can do to make our own money, not caring who we use to achieve that goal. This is the reason why the Tenth Commandment is what it is. This is the reason why Jesus Christ would time and time again reiterate that we're not supposed to be envious of the proud, of the wicked. You can be prideful of your neighbors all you want. You can covet what they have. But consider the lunacy behind that, dear friends. You don't know how it is that particular person may have made their money. They could be dealing drugs. They could be pimping whores. You don't know that, dear friends. So it is up to you to keep yourself humble, to not be of an haughty spirit, to not be prideful and lifted up as the devil and his children are. It is up to you to be grateful enough to your Creator, who is Yahweh God, to thank Him for calling you out of this world. Verse 20 in Proverbs 16 says this, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in Yahweh, happy is he. And so, dear friends, down here in Satan's kingdom, there is this illuminated question that man has continually been trying to answer since, it seems, the dawn of time. And those questions are, what is truth, as Pilate asked, and what is the meaning of life? But, dear friends, we as Christians already understand, as Scripture confirms, that truth is the Word of God, time and time again, John seventeen, seventeen, for example, And that the meaning of life is to fear Yahweh God and keep His commandments. And here in verse 20, it is teaching no different. He that handleth a matter wisely, that's not to say meekly, that's not to say cowardly and or inseminately, that's to say wisely, a soft answer turneth away wrath, being harmless as doves, this is what the unbelieving world does not possess. They don't seem to understand that power is not money, power is not pride. Power is not having lots of cars and a big home. True power, dear friends, comes from Yahweh God and Yahweh God alone. And the genuine Christian recognizes that and thanks Yahweh God for the power he bestows upon that faithful believer. That's not to say you can go out and say to this tree, wither and die and it will do so. But that is to say that you have the power through your heavenly Father and through Jesus Christ to achieve more than the unbelieving world ever will. This should be a straightforward teaching, dear friends, for how many of you actually know Wesley Swift, the person? How many of you know Richard Butler, the person? How many of you know Bertrand Comparais, the person? I'd be willing to venture that 80 to 90% of you who are listening do not know these particular pastors as people, but you are familiar with with their teachings. What's that say? That says that that particular person, Swift, Compré, and Butler, were merely vessels to bring about the teaching that was already there, that was already established. Those works, those righteous fruits, are the only thing that will be able to stand the test of time and last, dear friends. So, handle all matters wisely, and in doing so, you will find good. And trust only in Yahweh God, so you can truly be Happy. Next verse, that is verse 21 in Proverbs chapter 16. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. The sweetness of the lips increases learning, not being prideful, not walking into a Judeo Christian church thinking you know it all. Indeed, you heard me, you heard me correctly, dear friends. I said, not even walking into a Judeo Christian church with that mindset. How can I say that? Because you should be able to go into all places, including the very synagogue of Satan, as a chosen and sealed vessel of honor to Yahweh God, and be able to learn. Indeed, not learn false dogma, not learn the improper path, but learn how not to be, or learn that Yahweh God is true through knowing the truth, through knowing His Word. No, I shall be called prudent only, Those who are truly wise. And here it is. We are in Solomon's book of Proverbs. And the main key, the main goal of all 31 chapters to be found within this book is the same. It is to find wisdom and understanding. In order to truly appreciate wisdom, you must have understanding of that wisdom. Meaning, that in order to be wise in heart, smart enough that you can control your mind, you must be able to exercise and not only exercise but define what is truth ask that of your atheist neighbor dear friends ask that of somebody in your family who does not believe in Jesus Christ ask them the simple question what is truth you may find a dirge barrage of answers you may have them come along and say well truth is whatever science proves truth is what we find on the six o'clock television cast but dear friends don't make that mistake if you truly want to know what truth is, dear friends, and study to show yourself approved, then and only then can you truly be wise in heart. Then and only then can you truly be called prudent. Verse 22 in Proverbs 16 says this: "Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools." is folly. Now how can Solomon say that? Because no matter what you say to a fool, dear friends, it sounds as foolishness. The fear of the Lord, for example, the teachings of this Bible, there are many things that are considered folly to a fool. And Proverbs teaches that we are both to answer a fool according to their folly and not answer a fool according to their folly. Is this an inconsistency, dear friends? Oh no, indeed. Rather, it's quite the contrary. Not an inconsistency. It's up to you to understand the situation and apply it to your lives. There will be times when you're not to answer a fool. Why? Because that fool may go off. That fool may attack you. That fool may put you in jail. And then there are other times when you should give a soft answer to turn away wrath. For example, you should be able to understand that instruction to fools or of fools is folly. Why? Because according to David and Psalms, a fool says in their heart, there is no God. Once a person accepts that lie as truth, that is, that there is no God, nothing you can say to that particular individual will truly matter. And that is the reason why understanding, true understanding, not necessarily wisdom, but understanding of that wisdom is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. Meaning, straightforwardly, that if you are able to reconcile wisdom and understanding meaning have understanding of the wisdom God imparts you with, then you will have life, quote-unquote eternal life. But if you do not, well, you're a fool, and you simply cannot be reached. Next verse. That is, verse 23 in Proverbs chapter 16, it says this, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. And so here it is, wise King Solomon saying that the heart of a truly wise man is someone who will learn from wherever he is. Learn from his position in life, the very position that he finds himself in now. And so this is the reason why last weekend I straightforwardly told you that wherever it is you may be right now, dear friends, that is where Yahweh God has willed for you to be. Don't deny that very simple, straightforward aspect that should be common. Do you think the devil puts you there? Do you think you yourself put yourself in a situation that may be good and or bad? Well, the prideful man does. The prideful man thinks through worry or through uh, his own labors, he's able to directly affect his outcome and judgment. But the truly meek and humble man, the truly wise man understands that that judgment is Yahweh God's and Yahweh God's alone. So, Do not make that mistake, dear friends. So how come is it that King Solomon spends so much time stressing the importance of wisdom and understanding? The reason for that, dear friends, is so very simple. We can become wise in so many different ways. For example, we can profess ourselves wise and in the process become fools as the New Testament confirms. We can become wise in sin. We can become wise in the ways of the world. You can be wise in seventy sitcom television, whatever it is. But if you're truly not wise within the Word of God, then you don't possess wisdom at all. Now, that seems like such a simple thing, especially when you consider that a majority of Christians down here all profess to be Bible-believing Christians. Oh, indeed, I've dealt with this time and time again. They'll go, oh, I believe in the Bible. They come and they say this to me. But then when you point out something in the Bible that they may not like, that may be a hard truth, that Jesus Christ, for example, came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, meaning if you're not an Israelite, you're simply out of luck. Well, they don't like that. They want to attack you, call you a false prophet, and so forth. Now, is that their fault? Or is that that they never had studied to show themselves approved? Meaning they don't possess the wisdom to be able to discern truth from fiction. You can turn on the televangelist time and time again and you'll hear them there almost 24 hours a day spouting psychology and feel-goodism. Indeed you will. But are any of the things they teach substantiated within the Word of God? For example, when they come and say, all you got to do is open your heart to Jesus. All you got to do is open the door that Jesus Christ is knocking on. Do any of you ask them to verify that? Well, if you do not, then, according to Solomon in the book of Proverbs, you're a fool. You don't have understanding. Why? Because the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. If you have a heart, meaning mind, that is truly wise, meaning that you have understanding of your wisdom, then you can control your mouth. But the fool cannot. Jesus Christ would come along and say, out of the mouth proceeds what's in the heart. And the hypocritian out there time and time again loves spilling his guts about what's in his heart. Oh, he'll say it with his mouth. It's up to you to believe it. Now, to the genuine Christian, when someone comes along talking filth and garbage and so forth, it's usually quite offensive. But many toast Christians do not understand this. So they go to church, or they go on the internet, and they listen to a false prophet that tells them what they want to hear, and, well, that's exactly what they accept and deem as truth for them. They had better, had they not. We see this time and time again. This is the reason why the Bible says don't commit sin. Because usually what happens when a person goes out and commits sin, uh, miscegenation, for example, is they can never come to that truth. Why? Because they have bastard children from their relationship. So for them to come along and understand the truth of Ezra and Nehemiah, who say you must put away your foreign wives. you must put away your foreign children, is impossible. Why? Because they will never do it. This is why we're instructed to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow. This is the reason why we are instructed to obtain wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding, dear friends. Verse 24. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Now, pleasant words. Not to say coming along tickling a person's ears, or is it? For many people sit there week in and week out behind the Judeo-Christian church pulpit. They listen to the lies spouted by their pastor, and something must keep them there. If it's not the social clique that it has become, it's most often times the barbecue. But 90% of the people who find themselves in the social club that is Judeo-Christianity do it because they hear pleasant words. They hear so many pleasant words, in fact, that when they come along and hear Pastor Visser, I don't seem very Christian to them. I don't seem very loving to them. Why? Because they're preconditioned to equate a soft answer and or pleasant words with righteousness. But that most oftentimes is not the case. How many people in Pharaoh's court really believed that Moses was speaking kind words to him? Rather, they probably thought he was a lunatic. But any one of those people sitting there at Pharaoh's court, including Pharaoh himself, could have changed their outcome. Could have changed their own destiny. Could have spared the life of their very children had they obeyed. Why did they not listen? They didn't listen because Moses most often times wasn't coming along telling them pleasant words. Wasn't prophesying falsely to them what they wanted to hear. Rather told them the truth. The truth can be ugly, or the truth can set you free, dear friends. It's up to you what you do with that truth. So it is up to us as Christians to try to put forth pleasant words as much as is possible. And in doing that, we're able to recognize that those who never have a pleasant word to say at all, most oftentimes are not Christian at all. Verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Understand it, get it through your head, let's read it one more time. Verse 25 in Proverbs chapter 16. There is a way that seems right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Meaning that most atheists down here, most people who don't know God, believe in their heart of hearts that they're on the right path. They believe that they are in the right and correct way, even though they are not, dear friends, and therefore it comes to you, as the Christian, understanding that, knowing that, knowing that there's a way that seems right unto men, and that way, most oftentimes is not the correct path, but that's what the masses will flock to, that's what the masses desire, this is the reason why Jesus Christ would say, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it, so, You may hide behind a universal church. You may say, well, I've got 500 members in my church, and Pastor Visser only has 30. You can come along and say that, but does that matter? Is there strength truly in numbers? No, quite the contrary. That way that seems right unto men is not right unto Yahweh God. And therefore, in order to have Yahweh God direct... Our way, direct our steps as we confirmed and established last weekend in commit thy works. The first part of this sermon is to know his word, to be familiar with his will, which is his law. So that way that seems right unto men is most likely the way of political correctness, is it not? It's most likely uh, 80% of the world out there who may have a problem with homosexuals getting married, but say, you know what, I better go ahead and accept it. And outwardly present myself as being tolerant. Tolerant, dear friends. How much garbage down here in Satan's kingdom are you willing to tolerate? Understanding coming out the gate that to tolerate something means you're doing the wrong thing. Why? Because you're tolerating it. How much longer will you as a Christian tolerate those who do not tolerate your God, your faith? It is your tolerance of the unbelieving hordes. It's your tolerance of the homosexuals, dear Judeo-Christian out there listening, that has led to what we live in today that has led to the high-mindedness in the center that they can come along and now pass laws that you can't be a Christian and teach public school. You can teach sex education all you want. You can teach that all gods are one, even though Jesus Christ says that's not true. But you can't teach truth. Why? Because you tolerated it so long, dear friends. How long are you willing to tolerate the lies? And then you sit around and you scratch your head and you're really shocked. When those lies become reality, when TV becomes reality, when people sit around and they look at you as you're the cold leader, when you're teaching line by line and precept upon precept verbatim from the word of God. So beware of that way that seems right unto men because many people fall within that trap and when they accept their false way as truth never reconciling it with scripture, never going back to Yahweh God to see what His will is, they are already on a downward spiral of self-justification. These are the fools that say there is no God, and in saying there is no God, well, they've justified within their heart that they are on the right way.
0: Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you've enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel, and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters? Where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box Two Five Six, Brooks, Georgia three zero two zero five. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com dot com, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is four zero four. 906 Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life, and help to build His church, so that when He returns He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith, and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible Study Message.
1: Verse 26 in Proverbs 16 says this, He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. What's that mean? That means if you get hungry enough, you're going to get a job. But not down here in Satan's kingdom. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But guess what? Democracy comes along and says, Let's steal from the rich, quote-unquote, and give to the poor. Therefore, the poor people don't have to work, do they? Rather, there's a vested interest in them to keep breeding because they get governmental kickbacks and welfare or food stamps for having all these children. And there's a vested interest for them to not find work. Well, why should they when they're grossing $500 to $1,000 a month sitting on their ass on welfare? This is the reason why they do that. But God has it hardwired within us so that each man, each Adamite, who must work according to the curse that was placed upon him in Genesis chapter 3, will labor for himself because his mouth craves it. Meaning, you may stand before a judge of man, and that judge of man may be saying, how is it that you weren't able to pay child support for the children you brought into this world? And you can give him the answer he wants to hear, which is most likely it's hard to find work. It's hard to find work, dear friends, but let me tell you one thing. If there was not food stamps, if there was not free food, then guess what? Each and every one of those men who say they couldn't find a job would find something to do. You can bet. Oh, they'd be collecting cans, they'd be washing cars, they'd be doing whatever it took. Why? Because they're hungry. It's really that simple. So we live in America and government, Uncle Scam, comes along and feeds you. Government comes along and they'll give you a FEMA check when God wipes your house out. Why? Because the government wants to play a God. They want the homage due only Yahweh God. And many of those fools out there who are right in their own eyes, who are in the way that seemeth right unto them, will go ahead and give the government that due homage. Oh, they'll bow to Obama, but they'll never be seen bowing to Yahweh God. They're so wise, aren't they? No, no. Rather, they're absolutely stupid. But who could really blame them? I mean, this is where their bread is buttered, is it not? If the government is the one who comes along and feeds them, their families, their children, the government comes along and pays for their rent, pays for their car, then the government, in essence, does become their God, does it not? Indeed, it does. Scripturally, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender, meaning the more you borrow from Uncle Scam, the more you borrow from your brother, or you borrow out of petty cash, the more a slave you become to those entities. Whether it be your job, whether it be President Obama, or whether it just be your family in general. Next verse, that is, verse 27 in Proverbs 16 says this, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. That's not the fire of Yahweh God, that's the fire that consumes them before they're put within that lake of fire. That eternal barbecue that so many people out there love saying doesn't exist in Scripture. But be that as it may, dear friends, an ungodly man digs up evil all the time. What's that say for all the slanderers and the gossipers out there? Who are looking for any single thing that they can condemn their brethren, so-called brethren, and or kinsfolk on. These are the people who dig up evil. Oh, they claim to have a spy network because they have a few sock puppets they send onto my forums or something. And they'll come along with a a small truth. For example, um, I got in trouble or visited by the feds two, three years ago. What do they do? They dig up evil. They love expanding to it, taking away. And in the end, what's left is a story that's 100% bullcrap. Doesn't exist. It's not reality. But guess what? For the people they're preaching to... (laughs) <laughs> that's all they need to hear. They want a justification. They might not like Pastor Visser because Pastor Visser preached monogamy. They might not like Pastor Visser because Pastor Visser rebuked him once or twice. What's the first thing these bastards do, dear friends? Nine times out of ten, they run out there and they find themselves a Rabbi Samuelson who does nothing but dig up evil. But here we are in Proverbs sixteen twenty-seven, and it says an ungodly man digs up evil. So you understand that those who engage in slander and or gossip are what? Ungodly. Solomon straightforwardly told you that. There is no righteous man who wants to engage himself with all of that. Why? Because it's forbidden by the law of God. The law is written on their heart. And if the law is written on their heart, then they will strive to obey that law. Why? Because they know God. But the natural man... The foolish man out there who does not truly believe in God, who does not see the perfection within God's law, digs up evil. And I might add, dear friends, that most of these bastards who come along and want to dig up evil on yours truly when no true evil exists, usually do so because they have no works of their own. And they usually do so because their enemies are us. Oh, they can attack William Fink. They can attack Eli James. They can attack Clifton M. They can attack yours truly. But what's that say about them? What did Jesus Christ say proceeds out of a man's mouth, but what's in his heart? So you see a man out there, dear friends, and all he does is attack Christian identity pastors. Guess what? He's an enemy of Christian identity. It's really common sense. So, only ungodly men dig up evil. Next verse. Verse 28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. I've seen this within the movement time and time again. I've seen these imposters come who claim to be Christian identity. I've seen them work on two ends. For example, Bill Fink and Eli James. And all of a sudden you see these two pastors going at each other's throats. Why? Well, it's right here. Because uh, froward men and whispers are able to separate chief friends. How? Through lies. Through gossip. Through slander, not through truth. What they do is they come along, they present a straw man, and they'll usually work both sides of the argument. I've had people come to me time and time again, dear friends, and they say, You know what this person out there is saying about you? You know what this person's out there saying about you? And you know what? I don't care. First and foremost, let them say what they want. Secondly, I'm not going to go off on somebody unless I have two witnesses. And thirdly, a person's entitled to his opinion. Only a Jew is afraid of someone having their own opinion, having their own ministry. Only a Jew would go out there and spend all their time attacking Christian identity pastors, all the while wanting to be seen as Christian identity, all the while having the gunction and the audacity to come along and say, you know what, Pastor Visser doesn't speak for Christian identity, oh really? Well, dear friends, I'm ordained through the line of Wesley Swift and Richard Butler. So I, above anybody, would be more willing and more able to speak for Christian identity than a self-proclaimed pope. But be that as it may, that's a side point, dear friends. I will speak for Christian identity, as will any other Christian identity pastor out there. And don't allow some bastard to come along and tell you no one does. If there's any one person who speaks for Christian identity, dear friends, it is G. Thus, Christ. Period. And that, dear friends, is the modus operandi of the devil. He'll come along and say, well, no one speaks for Christian identity, leaving Jesus Christ out. And in essence, Lee's opened the door for you to not have to follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because, well, no man speaks for Christian identity, don't they? But that's simply not the case. What did Richard Butler and what did Wesley Swift both teach about? who leads Christian identity. They taught that the Bible does. They taught that Jesus Christ does. And if any man comes along and says, Jesus Christ doesn't speak for and to Christian identity, you should be able to mark them off as the Christ denier that they are. Verse 29 in Proverbs 16. A violent man entices his neighbor and leadeth him into a way that is not Good. This is what violent men do. They provoke and they instigate. They'll come along and they'll stir up strife against their neighbor, usually against another neighbor, by saying, This guy said this when he didn't really say it. And that is what a busybody is. This is why busybodies are forbidden within the Word of God. This is why you're not supposed to do it violence, dear friends. A violent man is not good, and violence throughout all of Scripture is seen as bad, unless it is straightforwardly commanded by Yahweh God. And even then, when Yahweh God says, go into the land of Canaan and destroy every resident there, it's still bad, dear friends. So if you're violent and want to come along and sit there and engage in violence, well, guess what? The Word of God is not for you, and the Word of God rebukes you. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him into what? The way of righteousness? Into the kingdom? Into the truth? Into the Bible? No, none of those things, dear friend. That violent man leads his neighbor into a way that is not good. So what can we deduct from this verse, dear friends? First and foremost, a violent man is not good. And in the eyes of God, violent men can never be good. They can never lead somebody to the way of truth because violence simply won't do it. You have to be meek enough, humble enough to be able to bring someone to truth. Because everyone sees within their eyes their own way. And that, of course, is the right way. We just covered it. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If you want to deliver your neighbor and or any other man out there from the ways of death, dear friends, then you have to teach them the way that Yahweh God says is right. Not the way that seems right in their own eyes. So do not be violent without cause. Do not engage in violence and or make sport of violent acts. Why? Because it's not good. (laughs) Case in point. Verse 30. He shuts his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. Who? The violent man. The man who goes out there and says he can't wait for the great and terrible day of the Lord so he can engage in all sorts of violent acts, never understanding that when that great and terrible day of the Lord comes, every knee bows, you're not going to be up doing anything. And you sure as hell are not going to be carrying guns and swords when we're in our spiritual bodies. But be that as it may, it doesn't stop the enticer, the violent man, the false prophet, the seducer, the traducer to come along and tell you, That you can. And who do they appeal to? The violent men. So in a way, it's absolutely poetic justice, is it not? In a way, they're a self-correcting flaw within our race. Because violent men seek out violent pastors to preach violence to them, even though the Bible says vengeance is mine, saith Yahweh God, time and time again, that violence will not be uh, tolerated within the coming kingdom, and it will not be tolerated before the establishment of the coming kingdom kingdom of Yahweh God. It doesn't stop them. So what they do is they remove them from my flock, or Fink's flock, or Pastor James' flock, or Wickstrom's flock. And in essence, God's will is done. Let the blind lead the blind. Let them both fall in a ditch. That's fine by me, and that's fine by God, dear friends. That's the way it should be. But you and I, dear friends, should be in this Word of God to understand which way it is. And we should understand already that the Word of God is truth, and that Word of God says there's a danger for each and every one of us down here to justify our own life within the Word of God, as opposed to taking the Word of God and adapting it to our lives. Indeed, homosexuals will have their own church. Indeed, miscegenators will have their own church. Indeed, adulterers have their own church. There's a church, quote-unquote, out there for anybody and everything. But there is truly only one word of God. One faith, one baptism, one word, one God. So do not fall into that trap of self-justification. The violent man will justify his own self, and most likely call himself a Christian as he entices his neighbor into paths that are not good, that are not holy, that are not righteous. And furthermore, he shuts his eyes from what? From truth. The violent man can never see truth, never see the word of God. Why, first and foremost, they don't want to see it. Secondly, that truth makes them accountable. What we're reading right here, that a violent man is an abomination in the eyes of God. Do you think a violent man wants to hear that? Oh no, indeed, dear friends. Most oftentimes, what they'll do is they'll close their eyes to the truth as Yahweh God has given it. To devise their froward or evil, wicked things. Moving his lips as he brings evil to path. Moving his lips, oh indeed it is. We must understand that in order to truly obtain wisdom and understanding, we must be able to not only be able to answer or give an answer in season and out of season, but shut up long enough to listen. What good does it do you to pray without ceasing to Yahweh God? If all you're going to do is pray to God, pray to God, be the one speaking, and never take five to ten minutes out to sit in the quiet and seek an answer from Him. Do you really think Yahweh God can speak to somebody whose lips are continually moving? Can any man speak to another man who's talking over him? No. And so Scripture straightforwardly says there is a time and a place for everything. There is a time for war. There's even a time for violence. That's not all the time. There's a time for peace and there's a time to be humble and meek. That also is not all the time. But we as Christians are to be able to understand and use our own discernment as to what applies and when. And so here it is. The verse that we've been leading up to. Verse 31. The hoary head is a crown of glory. If it be found in the way of righteousness, if and only if, if it is not found in the way of righteousness, which is what? Holy. According to the Word of God, you're not wise at all. You can have an entire head full of gray hair, dear friends. That's what a hoary head is. You can be completely 100% silver-headed, dear friends, but if you're not familiar with the Word of God, you're an absolute ignoramus. And hoary head is only a crown of righteousness if it is obtained through the word, through familiarization of verse. So, just because you're old, dear friends, just because you may be in your 70s or 80s or 90s even, listener, doesn't mean that you're wise or glorious and or righteous in the eyes of Yahweh God, unless those gray hairs be found in the way of righteousness. You can go to prison for murder You can never pick up the Bible and the stress of prison life will give you an hoary head. You can have a job working 16 hours a day. You can work that job for half of your life and guess what? The stresses of that job will give you an hoary head. But the only way to truly have a crown of glory, meaning in the eyes of God, that your gray hairs are earned in righteousness is through the stresses of the world. It's through the stresses of this scripture. It's not worrying about how much money you're going to make that week, but more likely the stresses of the fact that you live in Babylon. Enough said. So, learn wisdom in the way of righteousness. That is only through this word of God. To know the way of righteousness is to know He who is righteous. He who is the Most High, of course, is Yahweh. And Yahweh can show you those paths. And then and only then will you learn the way of righteousness. Therefore, do not give homage to every person who has gray hair or an hoary head. Rather, render due benevolence and or homage to those who have earned their hoary head in the paths of righteousness and righteousness alone. Verse 32 in Proverbs 16 says this. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. So what's Solomon telling you here, dear friends? He's telling you this. It's a very simple teaching. Be slow to anger and rule your own spirit. And in being slow to anger and in ruling your own spirit, you will be greater in the eyes of Yahweh God than a mighty warrior that can take over an entire city. So dear friends, is Obama and his hoary head righteous? Well, he's taken over America, he's taken over every American city, but he's not Christian. What do you think, if you could truly know the thoughts of Yahweh God, what do you think Yahweh's thoughts of Obama the Muslim are? That is the reason why we're not to spend all our time judging you answered your own question in and of itself. Yahweh God is judge, but not the world. The world will come along and say, well, President of the United States, there's no one more successful than him. Or how about this dumb, ignorant statement? Well, he's making lots of money. How many times have you heard that in your life, dear friends? He's making lots of money as if that's some measure of success. You know, pimps down here in Atlanta stand on the street corner pimping whores out. How much money do you think these whores and pimps and dope dealers are making? You're going to come along and say, well, at least they're making money. Dear friends, that's simply not the teaching of Scripture. I'd rather not make any money than make money through ill-gotten gains. I'd rather live a very meek, humble, and quote-unquote lowly life than be seen as a president or a warmonger taking over a city. And Solomon does not teach any different. Get it through your head, dear friends. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Why? Because he truly is mighty. If you're quick to anger, dear friends, you're not using wisdom. You're not using discernment. You are rather like a woman engaging in emotion as opposed to sense and logic. When a person gets so wrapped up with an emotion that they cannot control their spirit, they simply are a raving lunatic. They can be of no use to Yahweh God. So be like he who rules his spirit as opposed to that great and mighty warrior that took a city. Think about Jacob and Esau here for a moment, dear friends, and understand that Esau was a mighty hunter. He was a hunter before Yahweh God. He not only was a hunter, but he was a strong leader. He established cities. He established towns. He warred, and he claimed cities. He was considered, quote-unquote, mighty in the eyes of God, according to the New and the Old Testament. But guess what? According to the same New and the Old Testament, yeah, we got hated Esau and loved Jacob. Esau could have been a mighty hunter, but he chose Jacob. That's the whole point. Why? Maybe the answer is right here. Maybe it was because Jacob was slow to anger as opposed to Esau, you think? Well, the biblical narrative sure as hell alludes to that. And maybe it was because Jacob ruled his spirit as opposed to being able to take over a city like Esau did. Is this not seen in the example of Abraham? Indeed it was. Lot was vexed, Lot was hasty in spirit, and ran to Sodom, pitched his tent towards Sodom, because that was what was in his heart. Not so with Abraham. Father Abraham brought his thoughts and his spirit into subjection, and in doing so, Please Yahweh God. And in doing so, not only please Yahweh God, but delivered Lot out of the hands of the enemy. Final verse in chapter 16 is verse 33. And verse 33 says this, The Lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is Yahweh. And so skip over real quick, dear friends, to chapter 18, if you will, in Proverbs 18, Verse 18, really simple to remember, Proverbs eighteen eighteen says this. The lot causes contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. And therefore, there's the answer as to the meaning of this proverb. That is verse 33 in Proverbs 16. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is the Lord. Meaning that your lot will come. And you will be given your lot in life. And what you do with that lot that Yahweh God gives you is up to you. Don't think for a minute because we teach all this predestination. And scripture straightforwardly says, Many are called, few are chosen, and I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. And all these things. Do not make the mistake of thinking, well, God's in control anyway. I can live however I want to. God is in control. God has chosen who is to be a vessel of honor and who is to be a vessel of dishonor. But at the same time, Yahweh God has provided you a path, each and every one of us. What do you do when that lot comes? What do you do when that wicked, violent man comes and attempts to entice you to wrath? Will you hearken unto that violent man? Will you hearken unto Yahweh God? What will you do when that lot lands in your lap, dear friends, that lot that you're given to live with? Will you complain about your lot in life? Will you sit and say, well, poor me, I'm poor, I'm broke, I'm living in a weekly lodge, I'm homeless, I only have one car, only one pair of shoes, or whatever. Or will you just simply shut your mouth for ten seconds and be contented with the things Yahweh God gives you? That is what Yahweh God requires. That is what Yahweh God has told you from Genesis to Revelation. Be still. Know He's God. Can you do it? Most men cannot. Most men are not content with their lot in life, and so what they do is they attempt to take their own testicles in their own hand and carve their own road. And time and time again, no matter how much man does this, it is a mistake. Time and time again, never once has any man attempted to carve his own road. And had it been righteous? No. Rather, we are to be like those faithful examples to be found in Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham, Jacob, Sarah and so forth. Joseph, all of these men and women had one thing in common. They didn't need to know the thoughts of Yahweh God to obey them. They didn't need for Yahweh God to come down and make His will known to them in order for them to obey. They weren't the type of people that said, you know what? Before I leave my hometown here and go and dwell on the plains of Mamre, before I build an ark, God had better come down here and tell me why. Rather, quite the contrary. They heard the word, and or the law, if you will, and obeyed. Didn't have to understand. And that in and of itself was attributed to them as a righteous work. So if you truly want to understand Yahweh God, if you truly want to please Yahweh God, then take my advice right now, here on July 25th, 2012, dear friends, and listen to me now. In order for Yahweh God to work through you, you must have a meek, humble, and obedient spirit. We cannot be the opposite of those things which we've covered in this two-part series in Proverbs chapter 16, which is proud in heart, violent, and or haughty. We cannot be those things. If you truly want to please God, then do as God tells you, period, within His law. And my advice to you, dear friends, is start in his law. In God's law lies the morality of God himself. And in familiarization and through obedience, then and only then will you be able to understand why God dictates as such. You need an example, here's a perfect one. The natural man may not understand why homosexuals are to be put to death, according to the Old Testament law. But, through obedience of that, not necessarily going out and killing homosexuals, because we cannot do that in this day and age, but in overlaying that morality, that Yahweh God would have every one of them dead, then can you understand why Yahweh God has deemed that command to be as such. And the answer is straightforward, because if you allow this filth among you, this filth-like leaven will expand, and suddenly you'll be up to your neck in filth, dear friends. And I said this time and time again, I, at 39 years old, have never, ever, ever voted for a man-king above me. I have never, ever, ever served in man's military. And the way of the natural man is to come along and say, well, Pastor Visser, that means you have less of a right to say anything, as if that makes any sense at all, dear friends. Rather, the opposite is true. The fact that I've never voted for a man king gives me all the reason to come along and tell you that this abomination in the White House today should be impeached and removed. Why? Because I didn't vote for him. That simple. And the fact that I never served in Zog's military gives me every right to come along and rail against Zog. Why? Because I've never taken their handouts. I'm not the type of person like Rabbi Samuelson who's going to come along and serve in the military, taking a pension and a paycheck, and then attack and bite the hand that feeds me, dear friends. That, in a nutshell, is a hypocrite. And so until next Sunday, with that being established and me being a little tiffed, I will say unto you, tune in next time, dear kinsfolk, for the next study. And it will be in the Gnostic text. Why? Because no one else in Christian identity seemingly has nuts enough to cover it. But I will. So be here. And so until then, this is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South. That is Brooks, Georgia. A small city within Atlanta wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies, Enjoy many other Christian resources through the Church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.